Greetings. Welcome to the UiPath First Quarter 2023 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance during the conference, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. Please note this conference is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to your host, Kelsey Turcott, Senior Vice President of Investor Relations for UiPath. Kelsey, you may begin. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us today to review UiPath's first quarter fiscal 2023 financial results, which we announced in our earnings press release issued after the close of the market today. On the call with me are Daniel Dinas, UiPath's co-founder and co-chief executive officer, Rob Enslin, co-chief executive officer, and Ashim Gupta, chief financial officer. We will open with prepared remarks followed by a Q&A session. Our earnings press release and financial supplemental materials are posted on the UiPath Investor Relations website, ir.uipath.com. These materials include gap to non-gap reconciliations. We will be discussing non-gap metrics on today's call. This afternoon's call includes forward-looking statements about the impact of FedRAMP authorization, our ability to drive growth and operational efficiency, and our financial guidance for the second fiscal quarter and fiscal year-end 2023. Actual results may differ materially from those expressed in the forward-looking statements due to many factors, and therefore, investors should not place undue reliance on these statements. For a discussion of the material risks and uncertainties that could affect our actual results, please refer to our annual report on Form 10-K for the fiscal year ended January 31, 2022, and our other reports filed with the SEC, including our quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the quarterly period ended April 30th. 2022 to be filed with the SEC. Forward-looking statements made on this call reflect our views as of today. We undertake no obligation to update them. I would like to highlight that this webcast is being accompanied by slides. We will post the slides and a copy of our prepared comments to our investor relations website immediately following the conclusion of this call. Before I turn the call over to Daniel, I'd like to inform you we will be holding our 2022 Investor Day during our Forward 5 user conference on Tuesday, September 27th at the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas, starting at noon Pacific time. Please save the date. Invitations with registration information will be forthcoming. Now I'd like to hand the call over to Daniel. Thank you, Kelsey, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to start by thanking the UiPath team for their hard work and their dedication to our customers during this turbulent time. I am pleased that first quarter results exceeded expectations. We reported ARR of $977 million, which grew 50% year over year. Net new ARR was $52 million, net of $5.5 million due to Russian sanctions. When we provided guidance in late March, we knew it would be a choppy quarter, particularly in Europe, given the ongoing geopolitical situation and macroeconomic environment. At the same time, both prospects and existing accounts tell us that automation is a long-term solution to this kind of volatility, which leaves us very optimistic about the business long-term. This year, we expect to cross the $1 billion mark in both ARR and revenue, and as we look ahead, we have aspirations to be multiples of the size we are today, which is why we have brought together a global team that has scaled technology businesses of size. Their leadership and experience build upon our current foundation and will help drive the next chapter of sustained, profitable growth at UiPath. Choppy macro environments typically reveal areas that can be improved. To that end, the team is focused on simplifying our go-to-market approach, starting with an alignment that will result in better market segmentation, higher sales productivity, and best-in-class customer experience and outcomes. We will be scaling through our emerging enterprise teams, which are more cost-effective while at the same time increasing our presence with key accounts 
where the expansion opportunities are significant, where we haven't had enough dedicated attention. Chris Weber, our new chief business officer, is already driving teams to reach higher to C-level executives and instilling even better operational rigor on deal execution while reducing bureaucracy and organizational complexity. Our market opportunity continues to be significant as the amount of manual work in organizations and need for agility is only increasing. We continue to win in the market given the measurable return on investment we create for our customers and the breadth and depth of our platform. I have never felt more confident in the leadership team, the direction of the company, and our ability to build operating leverage while continuing to win this large market. Turning back to the quarter, we continue to see broad adoption across industries, ending April with more than 10,000 330 customers, including new logos, Bristol Americas, Korea Investment Savings Bank, Dato, Udemy, and Virtua. We also had great competitive wins in this quarter with new logos like Zelis and DocuSign, which selected the UiPath platform, including the UiPath test suite, to accelerate the time-to-value for new automations and UiPath integration service to combine the power of both UI automation and API integrations in a single workflow. We now have 1,574 customers that accounted for at least $100,000 in ARR on an annual basis. This includes 168 customers over $1 million in annual ARR. During the quarter, a global financial services and insurance company chose to standardize on our entire platform while phasing out a competitor. They are implementing automation across lines of business and plan to use document understanding, AIML, and test suite, as well as scale-up citizen development. They have a corporate initiative to remove $100 million in cost by 2025 and see automation as instrumental in achieving their goal. We consistently hear from customers that our end-to-end platform focus on innovation and vision for the future of automation are important differentiators for UiPath and key to winning in the market. In the recent Forrester RPA Inquiry Spotlight 2022, between February 2020 and December 2021, Forrester analysts received the most inquiries about UiPath 2.7 times the next vendor, while 72% of total conversations were focused on automation platforms. We continue to deliver on our promise to make platform deployment easier, faster, and simpler with the introduction of 22.4, our most recent platform release. A few highlights include general availability of automation cloud robots with two SaaS offerings. A VM automation cloud robot created on demand in automation cloud, providing unattended robots and serverless automation cloud robots, a pool of robots that will run selected automation jobs on demand expanded integration options in our integration service, controls and templates to streamline app development, and new citizen developer access to AI-powered tools like Forms AI, document understanding, and task capture. 
security and compliance upgrades that include every UiPath service now in scope for SOC2, an automation cloud HIPAA attestation, and support for Macs, expansion in ready-to-go attended automations, and support for long-running workflows in Linux. During the quarter, we also announced automation cloud public sector achieve FedRAMP in-process status. FedRAMP authorization will increase our addressable market in the federal space where we already have a meaningful presence. All of these points to the considerable momentum that continues to build in our cloud business, which continues to be in hyper growth with cloud ARR more than doubling year over year. And to provide customers even more flexibility we recently introduced a new pricing model that allows for world-row migration between on-prem and cloud. A great cloud customer case study is Global Healthcare Exchange, which started its automation journey with automation cloud. During this past quarter, they expanded with multi-year roadmap to apply automation to address more complex business problems leveraging document understanding for large-scale document conversion, AI computer vision to source images reliably from vendor websites while rolling out a new citizen development program to accelerate internal adoption. We also continue to expand our partner ecosystem, making automation easier as both go-to-market and technical partners help customers deploy automations quickly and realize fast time to value. On the go-to-market side, partners like NCS are both deploying our platform internally as well as leveraging it to generate revenue and better serve their customers. A leading technology services firm in Asia-Pacific, NCS, expects to deploy hundreds of automations within their organization and to create a UiPath automation practice focused on the delivery of the fully automated enterprise to their customers. From a technical perspective, we announced integrations with Adobe's document services and Adobe Acrobat Sign to help customers automate end-to-end -end document processes to drive productivity and scale in a secure manner. Mindshift, a leading provider of automated prior authorization and real-time medical benefits check technology to enable better patient care faster by reducing manual operational tasks and introducing significant operational efficiencies. An AirSlate, a fast-growing workflow automation company to empower individuals and small businesses to create, innovate, and automate to digitally transform their organizations to run faster, easier, and more efficiently. Before I turn the call over to Ashim, I'd like to welcome our new co-CEO, Rob Enslin. When I met Rob, I knew that he would be the right partner to help me lead UiPath. His roots were in development at SAP, where he went on to a series of increasingly senior executive roles. Based on his ability to build and lead organizations, his operational skills, and commitment to customers, most recently, as president of Google Cloud, he led a team of several thousand employees that drove considerable growth at scale. While his experience and skills are important, it's Rob's personality and his passion for the power of automation, which are a great fit for UiPath. I'll turn the call over to Rob for a few minutes to share his perspective. Thanks, Daniel. 
It's, it's exciting to be on the first of many earnings calls at UiPath. It's been just over two weeks since I formally joined, but I've been watching the company for some time. I've studied UiPath's platform, market opportunity, and competitive moat, and I'm convinced that in the automation, AI, and ML space, UiPath will be a leader that all companies will embrace over time. I've also been impressed by Daniel's focus on culture, which is the intangible that can create success or undermine potential. We have the opportunity to build a company that not only delivers disruptive technology to our customers, but is also defined by how we develop and empower our employees, care for our communities, and give back to our society. I've spent my early days doing what you would expect, meeting the team and some of our customers, and starting to form my view on where I can have the most impact. We have a powerful financial model, and at this scale, we can drive both growth and operational efficiency. I look forward to digging deeper into the business and meeting many of you over the coming months. I will turn it back to Daniel. Thanks, Rob. I'll pass the call over to Ashim to talk in more detail about our first quarter results and provide guidance. Thank you, Daniel. I also want to welcome Rob to the team. Before I get started, please note that unless otherwise indicated, I will be discussing results on a non-GAAP basis, and all growth rates are year-over-year. We ended the first quarter with total ARR of $977.1 million, up 50%, driven by net new ARR of $51.8 million. On a year-over-year basis, FX created an approximately $5 million headwind in the quarter, and we wrote down $5.5 million in ARR as a result of Russian sanctions. Our dollar-based net retention rate of 138% for the quarter reflects the write-down of Russia ARR. Net of the Russia impact, dollar-based net retention rate was 139%. Dollar-based gross retention rate was 98%. First quarter revenue grew 32% to $245.1 million. Normalizing for the year-over-year FX impact, which was an approximately $14 million headwind, revenue grew 39% year-over-year. We are seeing the large deals that have been in our pipeline starting to take shape, including one that we closed with a customer in the healthcare vertical in the first quarter, which helped to drive some of our first quarter revenue upside. First quarter remaining performance obligations increased 46% to $675.6 million. Normalizing for the year-over-year FX impact, which is an approximately $47 million headwind, RPO grew 56% year-over-year. Current RPO increased 45% to $424 million. Total gross margin was 85%, reflecting first quarter revenue seasonality and investment in cloud infrastructure. Software gross margin was 92%. We continue to invest in services and cloud hosting as we scale our cloud business. First quarter operating expenses of $219.1 million increased 49% driven in part by headcount additions and our annual employee merit cycle as we reward our top talent and focus on long-term employee retention. First quarter GAAP operating loss of $116 million included $101.5 million of stock-based compensation expense. Non-GAAP operating loss was $10.9 million. First quarter non-GAAP adjusted free cash flow was negative $53.8 million. As we mentioned on our last earnings call, We pay our annual corporate bonus and our fourth quarter sales commission in the first quarter. We continue to expect non-GAAP adjusted free cash flow to be driven by normal seasonal patterns and to be neutral to slightly positive for the fiscal year. And we have $1.8 billion in cash, cash equivalents, and marketable securities, and no debt. Let me now turn to guidance. One of UiPath's strengths is our global presence, which gives us diverse perspectives and access to talent. We price in local currency, and with more than 50% of our business conducted outside North America, our results are subject to foreign exchange volatility. We recognize that macroeconomic and geopolitical issues are impacting global markets, and the strengthening of the U.S. dollar continues to create a currency headwind for our business. As we did in March, The guidance we are providing this afternoon contemplates the current operating environment 
and includes an FX headwind offset by growing momentum in the business. Please note, FX commentary is the incremental headwind to the numbers we discussed at the end of March. First, for fiscal second quarter 2023, we expect ARR in the range of $1.04 billion to $1.042 billion. This includes absorbing an approximately $3 million FX headwind. We expect revenue in the range of $229 to $231 million. This includes absorbing an approximately $5 million FX headwind. We expect non-GAAP operating loss to be in the range of negative 60 to negative $55 million. This includes absorbing an approximately $2 million incremental FX headwind. And we expect second quarter basic share count to be approximately 546 million shares outstanding. As a result of our strong first quarter, we are absorbing incremental FX headwinds and raising our full year guide for ARR revenue and non-GAAP operating margin. For ARR, we now expect ARR in the range of $1.22 billion to $1.225 billion. This includes absorbing an FX headwind of approximately $10 million. For revenue, we now expect revenue to be in the range of $1.085 billion to $1.090 billion. This includes absorbing an FX headwind of approximately $20 million. For non-GAAP operating income, we now expect non-GAAP operating income to be in the range of $10 million to $15 million. This includes absorbing an FX headwind of approximately $10 million. In summary, our pipeline continues to strengthen as some of our large deals take shape and progress through the sales process. Crossing the $1 billion mark, we remain laser-focused on realizing the efficiency that comes with scale to drive both short- and long-term operating leverage and further increase our speed, agility, and customer centricity. Looking forward, we expect this combination of top-line growth and bottom-line efficiency to drive positive cash flow in the second half of the year. As Kelsey mentioned, please note that we will be hosting Investor Day on September 27th in Las Vegas, followed by our Ford 5 user conference. We look forward to speaking with many of you in the coming weeks. We'll now take questions, and I will turn the call over to the operator. Operator, please pull for questions. At this time, we'll be conducting a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you'd like to remove your question from the queue. We ask that you limit your questions to one so that others may have an opportunity to ask questions. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. One moment, please, while we poll for questions. Our first question is from Ramo Lenschow with Barclays. Please proceed with your question. Thank you, and uh, congrats from, uh, from me for the quarter, and Rob, all the best in the new role. Um, th the question I had is, is uh, well, for all of you, probably more, Ashim, is around the deals taking shape. So do you remember last quarter, uh, you know, you were one of the first to talk about it because you kind of reported later, um, and that, that, that created a lot of questions amongst investors in terms of how how, how this will play out for you if this was like, you know, macro as kind of people not signing deals or, or people kind of need to think how they shape the deals. You kind of made a couple of comments, Ashim, about that. Now, can you speak a little bit more to that one? You mentioned the one healthcare deal, but it's a little bit more uh, color that you can give us there. Thank you very much and congrats again. Um, hey, Raymond. Thank you for the question. And uh, let me start first and then I'll uh, let Ashim give you more color. Look, I've been in a long trip before this earnings call, Europe and Asia, and uh, I'm talking with a lot of customers. We are seeing a renewed interest for automation, and that uh, to, we are seeing also kind of a positive maturity on the big deal evolution through our pipe. But overall, the in... Uh, this uh, macroeconomical hand, which put a lot of pressure on our customers to become more efficient, and they are turning to automation as one of the easiest way to navigate through these murky waters. Shim, over to you. Yeah, I think, Ramo, thanks for the question. Um, I, what we talked about last quarter was there was no denying the, the macro volatility, 
And we, we reiterated the fact that we weren't losing deals. Automation was important. These deals existed in our pipeline. It was just a question of uncertainty as our customers were gripping with the new realities that were hitting, a new war, inflation, et cetera. We're 30, 60 days later, and what we see is we see deals progressing through our, the stages of our pipeline, and as Daniel said, positive maturation in terms of the way they take shape. So we, as we look and we track deals through our pipeline and we see that movement, you know, we, we really feel we have more confidence or we've had moderated confidence on the conversion of those deals, and we reflected it appropriately in our guidance. Okay, very clear. Thank you. Our next question is from Brian Bergen with Cowan. Please proceed with your question. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you. Uh, I've got a question here for Rob. So, so Rob, just you know, as you step back and look at the business, can you just talk about maybe one of your, your top one or two priorities as you think about the go-to-market function? Sure. So three weeks in, so observations, talking to customers. I, I reiterate what Daniel and, and Ashim said um, UiPath can play a meaningful role in these economies, and I see that happening. Now, we're going to focus on digital sales. We're going to drive digital sales. We're going to get up into the key customer accounts, drive further adoption, higher customer satisfaction um, to ensure that we actually uh, get better returns for those customers, and we're going to expand the ecosystem and channel, the channel business. Next question, please. Thank you. Our next question is from Kirk Materni with Evercore ISI. Please proceed with your question. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for taking the question, and, and Rob, congrats on the new post. Uh, Daniel, I was wondering if you just go a little bit deeper on some of the sort of sales uh, changes you guys are making under Chris, and I'm, I'm sure Rob's going to play a big role there, just in terms of how you're also leveraging partners to try to drive the sale higher in the C-suite. And I was wondering you know, how those two things are interplaying with each other and what you're seeing you know, with partners that gives you confidence that that sort of upsell or, or, or higher level sale in the C-suite you know, is something you guys can, can do a lot more of going forward. Thanks. Sure. We, uh, we are looking to drive some uh, incremental uh, changes in our go-to-market that will focus us to be more customer-centric and uh, we'll also put more emphasis on the emerging enterprise sector that we believe uh, will help us you know get more new logos in a more efficient way i think uh, the new partner strategy is to is to focus the top GSIs more on the key accounts while we will have the long tail of partners focusing more on the emerging enterprise sector. We believe that uh, the strategy, this new strategy will allow us to focus more and provide faster adoption to our key accounts. Maybe, Rob, you also have something to add. As I said, Tom, so I, I think we can be very relevant in the office of the CFO, the heads of supply chain, sales leadership, marketing, and HR departments. So I think we, together with the big GSIs, that's where we'll actually have some focus because that's where they actually have um, their their strength is in those departments, and we and our solutions really add value to that. Um, so that's where we're going to focus with the big GSIs and the systems integrators. Thank you. Our next question is from Keith Weiss with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed with your question. Excellent. Uh, thank you guys for, for taking the question. Um, and, and nice to see that, that pipeline uh, developing better better than expected. Um, I, I guess it, car carrying on, on on sort of that, that last question, um, the it, it, it sounds like there's like some sense of a sales reorganization. going. Am I reading that correctly? That is this a larger than typical sales reorganization? And is there kind of execution risk that we should be aware of um, with with Rob coming on board and sort of the changes that you're trying to to, to put into place? I'm just trying to make sure that we ascertain sort of the the level of change and the potential risk of disruption with what you guys are doing on on the sales side of the equation. Well. We are at the scale right now where we have to prepare this company 
to grow, you know, consistently and efficiently into into the next stage. This is why largely we brought Rob and Chris to help uh, to help us, you know, execute really well on this stage. So at this point, we are uh, we are looking, uh, as I said in my previous answer, to be more customer centric, scale our emerging enterprise teams. We are looking also to globalize some function to be capable to be more consistent across the regions. So it's a balancing act between efficiency, consistency, and agility that we are trying to bring into our go-to-market. But again, Rob, if you want uh, to comment more. I think that, Keith, I think, as Daniel said, that's exactly where our focus is. Our next question is from Michael Turin with Wells Fargo Securities. Please proceed with your question. Hey there. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, thanks for taking taking the question. Ashram, in terms of the outlook and just following up on the first question around large deals, I wanted to just focus in on what else changed versus last time. You, you've referenced guiding for what you've seen most recently. So maybe if you can just expand upon any increased visibility you have now versus when you were guiding initially in March and then um, – the impacts of things like cloud, large deal assumptions, and, and just want to be clear, the FX headwinds that you referenced, were those incremental versus what you had called attention to uh, in 4Q, which I think was the 20 to 25 million in ARR. Just want to be crisp and clear given the moving pieces here as best we can. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's great. Great question. Um, when, we, when we sit back and we look at our guidance, we continue our guidance philosophy. We guide with what's in front of us. I think you stated that correctly. So let me start with FX, as that was a theme. We, you know, the FX is a fact um, that's out there as the euro and the yen continue to depreciate, and we factor that into our guidance as we've provided guidance um, as in, in our current guidance that we've provided. We talked about the large deals. Um, you know, we just we monitor our, our pipeline very closely, and of course the the top deals that are there, and we're pleased with the momentum and the movement. And I think that relates to the fact that our customers themselves are starting to get you know, a handle in terms of navigating the environment, which takes some time to digest. In, in terms of what else has changed, I would say everything else strategically with the business remains on course. So our cloud business could remain strong. We are very, we're very optimistic about the customer response and the metrics around our cloud business. And we, one of the other areas is I think we, see, we continue to see opportunities for efficiencies in our company. And that's why we've also increased our operating margin targets for the year um, as we looked, as we see opportunities both in emerging enterprises, as we talked about some of the sales realignment that Daniel referenced in the, in, in the earlier comments. Yeah, and I just want to be clear, this is Kelsey. Um, when you asked about FX, it is an incremental headwind to when we gave guidance at the fourth quarter call. Um, and we also had some commentary on cloud that we expected it to be about a, I think it was a 4% headwind. Um, as we went through the full year. And, and that 4% is not incremental. That's consistent with the first quarter, with what we discussed 30 days ago. Exactly. Our next question is from Mark Murphy with J.P. Morgan. Please proceed with your question. Yes, thank you. And I'll, um, <clears throat> I'll add my congrats. So, Daniel, we've had a few software companies indicating that the month of April was softer, while the, the month of May um, showed some signs of maybe getting back to normal. I'm I'm curious if that aligns at all with, with what UiPath um, has experienced. And are you are you optimistic that Q1 could have been perhaps the trough uh, for how we would think about the the net new ARR growth year over year? Well. <clears throat> We knew that uh, Q1 is going to be a choppy quarter, and we have guided uh, accordingly. We were seeing throughout the quarter, you know, a positive momentum, especially on the big deals, like that uh, that deal with the healthcare insurance company we closed in April, for instance. It was really a positive, a positive uh, news for us that gave us some tailwinds for the entire quarter, and then we and as we are progressing into <coughs> into May, we are seeing uh, a healthy pipeline creation. So we are uh, cautiously 
you know, optimistic about what, how the business is shaping right now. And Mark, I would just point to our guidance. I think, you know, when you look at it, we guided to, we guided between 63 and 65 million for IARR. So I think that that kind of speaks to what we see the trajectory at this moment. Um, in terms of our, we had a trough in this, we'll continue to monitor and make sure that we're executing at a high pace to be able to execute in any environment. But I think our guidance speaks to kind of like where we see the trajectory right now. Our next question is from Michael Turritz with KeyBank. Please proceed with your question. Hey guys, thanks very much. And looks like a nice, uh, a nice stabilization in the business. Um, on that front, and in line with some of the prior questions, uh, there were a couple of comments you made last quarter. Uh, one was about decreasing size of the deals that were in the pipeline, and also some headwinds around um, public sector business in Europe. How have those two uh, factors trended into this quarter? You know, we actually were talking about the large deals and uncertainty about the size of the deals and the duration of those deals. And we, as we've commented this quarter, those deals are taking shape. They're progressing through the pipeline. Um, we've adjusted our guidance to kind of reflect a moderate amount of optimism in terms of the conversion of those deals, especially in the second half. Um, in terms of Europe and, and the public sector, I, I, we haven't, to my knowledge, we didn't make any specific comments. Like those were examples that Dan we were giving about anecdotes. We continue to hear anecdotes around there is pressure in Europe that I think is just understandable given the climate and the war there. Um, but we're pleased with the movement in our pipeline, and we're also pleased with the way our sales team is executing in this environment. Our next question is from C.D. Panigrahi with Mizuho. Please proceed with your question. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, uh, you guys talked about the new business and pipeline. Just wondering on the dollar-based native tens on site, uh, mainly from uh, from your existing customer, it's uh, it's uh, came down 145% to now 139, excluding the Rus Russian impact. And you guys talked about that uh, on the Q4 call. But wondering any kind of color you can say, uh, say on that expansion in terms of uh, your customers buying more ro robots versus buying other products like automation cloud. And is this some kind of trough we'll see, or there are a few more quarters on that DBNR trough? Look, I, I think we're pleased. We continue to be pleased with our dollar-based net retention rate. It's it's still a leading metric when you look at peer companies um, at 138 um, in terms of reported. We talked about the impact of both FX and Russia. That's there. In terms of customer behavior, where we we continue to feel optimistic about what we're seeing. More customers are embracing our platform. We see larger million-dollar-plus customers. Um, you know, million-dollar-plus customers continue to increase in number and the same in a $100,000-plus customer city. And that really reflects continued optimism and buy around the platform and the opportunity that our customers have to continue to automate more processes. So overall, we're pleased with kind of where we are in terms of that. We added 12 new customers greater than a million dollars, and you know that's, that's nearing 170 customers now at that rate. And when you compare that year over year, that shows a robust growth in terms of the adoption of our platform. Our next question is from DJ Hines with Canaccord. Please proceed with your question. Hey guys, congrats on the quarter. Um, so I, I imagine time to value is a big focus in the current environment. What, what kind of stuff are you doing to help customers realize a quick return on the investment they're making, and, and how do you help them think about that, you know, during the sales process? Well, first of all, I would like to tell you that. Uh, Automation has become really a board priority, C-level suite priority for many of our customers. I talk to customers in different industries, you know, public sector. They are really turning to automation at this point. So it's a uh, we we are seeing uh, really a good momentum into helping them with accelerating the adoption. Our renewed focus on uh, our key accounts and pairing our GSIs to the key accounts will help with the adoption. I believe that also on the emerging enterprise, we can have uh, a big, we can accelerate in a big way the adoption and getting of net new logos. 
And uh, I would like also to mention our uh, 22.4 release with the big focus on cloud that is uh, also removing, uh, you know, some of the friction of adoption. So overall, we are really seeing positive signs on the accelerating the adoption within uh, our customer base. Our next question is from Brad Sills with Bank of America. Please proceed with your question. Oh, great. Thanks, guys, for taking my question. I wanted wanted to maybe double-click a little bit on the, on the cloud, uh, Daniel. Since, since you have this new release, um, <clears throat> do you see this as kind of an acceleration uh, in that down-market business, lower, lower TCO, or do you see this as p potentially a broader play within the large enterprise base as they kind of gradually move towards the cloud? I guess, what are you hearing from customers, both large and small, with regard to kind of willingness to, to put RPA in the cloud? Well, I think it's both. We we have a certain number of very large companies, and we mentioned them in the past, that switch completely for on-prem to cloud developments. But uh, I am very bullish right now of the opportunity on more of the mid-segment. We have launched in GA in this release for the first time the hosted robots in the cloud. We call them the automation cloud robots. And that can make, you know, a line of business progressing faster with the adoption. To a certain extent, they are independent of, uh, of IT into developing an automation program. So this will, uh, will speed up quite a bit the adoption into into the mid-market. Also, I would like to mention our newly, completely newly released function that we call serverless robots that can open, you know, entire new use cases in uh, kind of API combining RPA with API integration that uh, previously required, you know, different vendors, different type of technology. So, Overall, it's uh, the progress in the cloud uh, is uh, is going very well. We have a great team. Just spent last week in Bellevue with them. Very impressive product, world-class product they built. It's uh, it's really a good timing right now to address the mid-market. Our next question is from Alex Zukin with Wolf Research. Please proceed with your question. Hey guys, thanks for taking the question. So I guess all of us are sitting here and we're we're um, trying to figure out kind of I think where where the incremental confidence is stemming from. Is it you know the feeling that deals that were you know maybe previously out of the pipeline are now back into the pipeline that are you know large and, and strategic? Is it that you're you've got a greater confidence in the close rates in general? Is it some of the initiatives that you're putting into place? you know, on, on from a sales change perspective that they're going to materialize maybe faster than you initially anticipated? Because now the guide for the year on a constant currency basis for net new ARR uh, is flat, uh, which, which I think is a really positive surprise to, to all of us. So I think just maybe touching on where that incremental confidence in the backdrop of, you know, we're all reading the same headlines from macro perspective, that, that that's at least, you know, for me, I think, you know, something that stands out. So... You know, Alex, good good to hear your voice. I I I think first is, you know, we recognize the macro you know, impact early and acknowledged it. I think that's really important to emphasize. So in some ways we were a step ahead in terms of how we were looking at things. Um, you know, in terms of our confidence, our guidance is always to guide what's in front of us. So this isn't for us just we look at our pipeline. We've talked about the strength of our pipeline overall, and that has been consistent. We've expressed confidence in our pipeline, even in first quarter. We never felt like things were coming out of the pipeline. We just felt an uncertainty of how, they, how and the timing in which they were moving through. As we look at our pipeline today, we have, several, you know, we have several of those deals that we've seen movement on, and the movement through a sales process gives us increased confidence of their conversion and what shape they are taking, and that is what we've been able to reflect in our guidance. In addition, when you just hear the sentiment from the field, automation continues to be a priority at a macro level. Like the market is, the market continues to be, and our TAM continues to be feel big. We've invested in our company 
um, you know, in, in many of our areas and many of the markets. So we're also, you know, we feel very good about our connection with our customer to be able to continue to execute. Those are the factors that let us, that allow us to kind of raise our guidance. And then on, in terms of the bottom line, that is a point of focus of we've crossed a billion dollars and we feel like we can both grow while execute efficiency. And we reflected that, that in our guide as well. Yeah, and I would like to add the, our renewed confidence in the executive team. I think uh, Rob and Chris are adding a lot of chops to our team. We are seeing a really positive response from our teams. And uh, again, I would like to mention all the discussions we are having, not only me, but every, every people you know, that I'm meeting, talking to our customers, are coming re-energized by this discussion. So overall, it's a, it's, a, it's a better environment that we were seeing two months ago. Our next question is from Terry Tillman with Truist. Please proceed with your question. Hey, team, this is Connor on for Terry. Thanks for taking uh, the question. Um, so just for me, how is, how is automation faring with internal budgets at customer companies? Uh, is there maybe a greater allotment of funds that you're seeing to invest long-term into transformational automation in a, in a choppy macro environment? Thanks. You know, just from, from discussions with CFOs, I can tell you digital transformation is not going away. It's only accelerating. Um, I think we're positioned well to take to be able to have our share of that digital transformation budget that is there. Um, and with many of our customers, you could just see, again, like our customers greater than a million dollars has moved up 62% year over year. And our customers greater than $100,000 has crossed 1500 and is, is moving 42% up year over year. That speaks to the fact that budgets continue to be allocated for automation. And I think in a period of labor shortage, inflation, we've always felt like the secular tailwinds allow for those budgets to be allocated to us, and we see that in the strength of our pipeline right now. Our next question is from Fred Havemeyer with Macquarie. Please proceed with your question. Hey, thank you, and, and congratulations on the strong start to the year here. I think, you know, we've all been asking in many different ways about the macro environment, so I'll try to ask in a slightly different one. And with respect to Europe, you know, last quarter I think we talked about how uh, certainly there's some slowness that you were seeing, and I wanted to ask, you know, is there a way to kind of differentiate it in terms of Eastern versus Western Europe within your pipeline or within your business, or just give any, any context really on how kind of both segments of Europe are performing? Well, our business uh, in, uh, I, I think, uh, we, we, we don't disclose, first of all, on the regional level, but uh, anecdotally, I am telling you, I, I'm not seeing at this point a big difference between Eastern Europe and Western Europe in terms of the deal shaping. Ashim, if you want to add anything. No, I agree with you, Daniel. I think Europe is definitely the area that, you know, we've recognized and accounted for in terms of the most challenging of the environments, um, but no distinction between Eastern and Western, besides, of course, the accounting of Russia specifically and, and, our, and our pause on doing business in Russia. Great. Next question, please. Our next question is from Phil Winslow with Credit Suisse. Please proceed with your question. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Congrats on a strong start. I uh, wanted to focus in on call it the front end of the uh, automation journey here, you know, process mining, task mining, you know, task capture. I mean, obviously, it's unique to UiPath to have you know, sort of all those front end functions then feed uh, along down the automation journey. What are you hearing from customers uh, now that you've had a couple of iterations of those solutions out? They're more integrated. Uh, is the is the sort of the full suite starting starting to resonate uh, and, and differentiate you? Just sort of any color there would would be helpful. Hey Phil, our customers are receiving our end to end platform in a very positive manner. And uh, I can tell you that our, what we call growth products internally, and process mining and task mining are part of our growth products, are really performing very well, growing at much faster rates than uh, our, you know, core businesses. So, and this is one data point. Another one is these white spaces around our 
core automation are actually helping drive more use cases into into the pipeline for automation. So overall, we are seeing really positive adoption across the entire platform. And uh, in particular, on uh, we made some solid progress on the on the process mining technology. We are releasing we are releasing it in the cloud. It's much more scalable. We are re we are releasing a lot more connectors. So our uh, we 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 are trying to address you know the needs of most of our customers with what we are having in the process discovery pillar. Our next question is from Ari Terjanian with Cleveland Research. Please proceed with your question. Hi, thanks for taking the question and congrats on the start of the year. Um, I was hoping you could provide a little bit more color on what you're seeing in the pipeline in terms of types of customers that are coming to the table, either by vertical and uh, geography. You mentioned the big healthcare deal in the first quarter. Are there any patterns that you're seeing in terms of types of customers in the pipeline for the rest of the year? Thanks. Yeah, like from the very beginning, automation is something that's relevant to every single vertical. Um, of course, our presence in the financial, in the banking, the banking financial and insurance sector and healthcare, those are our two largest areas. So I think those continue to be there. But no, we see really across our pipeline, it's broad based, right? We have we have both local governments, we have small enterprises, we have large enterprises, Fortune 500. Our pipeline continues to show strength and interest of expansion and adoption across, you know, across our platform and across all the segments. You know, continuing, um, continuing, including, you know, flanking and, and replacing our competitors, those are deals that we also see more and more of, um, especially as we have our latest releases on our product and customers are seeing the breadth of our platform. So I wouldn't say, I would say no pattern that is different than history. We feel very good about it across our verticals, um, you know, with the major verticals and focus that I mentioned. We have reached the end of the question and answer session, and I will now turn the call over to management for closing remarks. I want to thank you all very much for participating in this afternoon's call. We look forward to speaking with many of you throughout the quarter. Thank you. This concludes today's conference, and you may disconnect your lines at this time. Thank you for your participation.